Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Michael Brown, and this is Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the significant and strategic choices that all of us can make in order to become the very best version of ourselves. Today in the studio, I have none other than Barb Ruth. She is so fantastic, author, speaker, thought leader, and my friend. And we have a very honest, a very raw, and a very real conversation about this notion of equality. In fact, the three words for today are, everyone is equal. You will love this episode as you listen to Barb explain and kind of elaborate on this idea that it's one thing to think that, it's one thing to give intellectual assent to that notion that everyone is equal, but what does it look like to live that? To live that with conviction, to allow your behaviors to connect with your beliefs. It is a provocative discussion, but also a gracious, inviting, open-handed discussion where we invite people to actually consider, is it possible that there's blind spots in our lives? Is it possible that there are gaps in our thinking that don't allow us to truly live out daily within our spheres of influence, within our world, this notion that everyone is equal. Listen in. So, Barb, it is fantastic to have you back in the studio for a second time. I know. <laughs> I'm so honored. Well, and I'm a little bit intimidated because Amy Seifert was your first host, and I'm now the substitute host for Barb Ruth. <laughs> no, no. She, let's, let, we love Amy. She is brilliant, but she, just, she wanted to make sure that I was prepped and ready for yeah. us sitting down today. Well, it's been great to obviously through Amy Seifert, develop a friendship and begin this conversation uh, over the last couple of months. But I'm just excited to jump right in. So Barb Roos, thought leader, uh, motivational speaker, author, leader extraordinaire. What are our three words for today? Our three words are everyone is equal. Everyone is equal. Now, obviously, you came into this conversation with those three words. You were excited about them. You are positioning them for us. Why is this so important to you? For me, I, particularly as a black woman living in 2022, uh, this is a conversation that it's got a lot of electricity around it. Uh, but the actual words are meaningful to me because they're not a given. I believe that everyone is equal. It only it only holds water. It only sticks if the person who believes it is actually living it out. So if someone says to you, and I know we've heard this a lot, even in this day and age where it's like, well, you know, we, why are we talking about these various issues? Everyone's equal, but we don't, even as you say that, even as you take that <laughs> sigh. So even saying it, you're saying, if I just was to meet you for the first time, we started having a real honest, raw conversation, maybe about racial injustice or maybe about social justice or right. racial inequality or some of the contemporary social issues of our day. And I just throw out that phrase, but Barb, everyone's equal. Yeah. You're not sure you believe me. Oh, no. Uh, so here's the thing. I believe it when you say it as it's your personal value. Mm. But if somebody says it or I see it posted on social media, we see it show up kind of under the, uh, the umbrella of uh, all lives matter. Yes. It only means something 
If someone who believes it is living it out, the problem is the living it out. We can say it all we want to. I can say that I'm going to go to the gym five days next week, (laughs) but it doesn't matter unless I show up at the gym all five days next week. So that value of everyone matters. It's only believable if the person who says it is actually living it out. Well, that's true in any any, any conversation we'd have here in DMB Coaching and Three Words podcast, Podcast. It's easy to say. Um, yes, choices matter. It's easy to say, I believe this, or I am committed to this idea, but commitment is only as strong as the choices that back it up. Very much so. And this one is, uh, those three words, everyone is equal. They're so loaded. Mm. Those words are loaded because there are lots of people who do believe it. They believe it at their core. And yet there's a blind spot where they're not actually committed to living it out and they don't realize it. And that's where I think a lot of the rub and a lot of the tension is happening. Because when you are an African-American woman living in America in these times, uh, I feel the consequences Mm. of that blind spot. How have you felt those consequences, if I may ask? Well, the one of the when I thought about thinking through our conversation, this idea of equality, it's about recognizing that it's that everyone has we start on a starting line and that in our the way that our country's culture pathed, there are barriers and the folks who've been able to run through, they go, well, we've had our own barriers. Yep. Yep. Everyone has barriers. The issue is, is that there have been certain barriers based on how our country came together that many people have not been able to push over. And the ones who haven't gone over their barriers, they didn't have them. They didn't feel it. They didn't recognize it. Their family histories haven't played into it. And so for me, what that's looked like is stereotypes. I mean, the easiest ones are, I remember when I got out of college, I'd go to the store, if I'd be in the mall and somebody would be following me around. And that happened more times than I could count. And I just wanted to turn around and go, I wish I could tell you that I probably make eight times more money than you. And I have a college degree (laughs) and you're following me around the store because you think I'm about to steal a $35 pair of shoes. And that is something, and somebody goes, well, we follow lots of different people around. I appreciate that. But I've also seen with my own eyes who gets followed more than others. In our country, the stats, we can't argue against the stats about the educational disparities, the financial disparities, the wealth disparities. All of those give us, give us tangible proof that not everyone is equal. I'm going to pause right now in my conversation with Barb and simply thank you for listening in today. This is a tough conversation, but if it's touching your heart and you feel like there's someone who could really benefit from it, share it with a friend. So the challenge becomes, I would imagine, because you said, even as we state these theoretical truths that we believe, or at least pseudo believe, you're saying there are blind spots, but how awkward is that to actually say, I hear you. But here I perceive in our interactions or even in the choices you're making that there's a blind spot. How, how do we point out those blind spots without putting people on the defensive? I think that's where last where the summer of 2020 after George Floyd's murder, that's when there seemed to be uh, a wave across the country where folks who had blind spots where many said, I see. They finally saw. I remember having a conversation with someone who was involved in the uh, 
criminal justice system. And uh, that person always had to kind of keep their viewpoints um, kind of tamped down, but finally felt the freedom to say, as someone involved in the criminal court system, I have seen over and over again how African-American males are always uh, recipients of harsher sentences and less opportunities. And this was somebody involved in the system who was fighting every day. And so the, the, the scene was, wait a minute. I have been able to run without some of these barriers because we're all focused on our own stories. Right. But when somebody's able to see, they're able to see what's happening in other people's lives and go, Oh, they have the barriers that I have and they have these other barriers that are much bigger and that have worse consequences. Well, and I love how you say that. We tend to be self-consumed. We tend to interpret reality through the lens of our own experiences, which okay. makes sense on some level. Obviously, it's what I've experienced is what I've felt. It's my, the home that I was raised in. It's the parents or the parent or the caregivers that I had. It's yeah. the city and the community that I found my neighborhood. And so it makes sense that we would interpret the world. But why do you think it's so hard to pull back the lens and realize I'm one of what, 8 billion people on the planet? And why would I even presume, Barb, that my experience in my small little world would actually define and interpret reality for the rest of the world? That is such a great question because I think that's the place where folks who are well-meaning people who are wonderful and they are kind and they're generous and they just go, well, we, uh, how in the world did we know we had a blind spot? We're try, we try to be good to people. This is, this is, I believe the opportunity though that we have is to see, is to go at this point now, we're going to have to be honest about the fact that there are people whose life experience looks different than ours. And we're willing to ask the hard questions to learn about their experience. I had so many friends who said to me, Barb, it is so hard because we're overwhelmed with guilt now. And what I, I want to applaud them for being willing to ask, Hey, what's your life experience? And that guilt that that guilt, what I hope is that that is a first feeling, but that's not where somebody lives. Yes. And I've been saying this a lot as I've been kind of trying to position myself and even even um, leverage my white privilege in this regard is to say guilt isn't going to be helpful. Mm, amen. It's, I want guilt to become grit. Woo! So guilt to actually become grit because the grit is that decision that I'm actually going to be a part of the change. Yes. But back to the blind spot conversation, I think for all of us, just to acknowledge, and this is one of my most important principles that I talk about all the time, to acknowledge that at this given moment, there are blind spots in my life. Mm-hmm. At this given moment, I can guarantee you, Barb, that Michael Brown is thinking incorrectly. Yeah. Um, about at least one or more or dozens of things. I don't have the whole picture that there are blind spots in my life. But for some, particularly my white friends, it becomes very threatening to think that I might actually perceive something in an incorrect fashion or even to go further, I might be wrong. That I might be wrong about something. But I think to normalize this idea that all of us, you, myself, yep. 
Yes. Our producers, everyone here in this world that I know is wrong about something and that it, we take a posture of teachability at Very all times. Teachability, curiosity, wonder, humbleness, humility, open-handedness. Uh, I appreciated the number of people who, as time has gone on, that they are looking at their neighborhoods and they're thinking about, huh, I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody looked exactly like me. Hmm. I went to school with everybody who looked exactly like me at my job. Everybody looks like me and goes, huh. What does that mean for my perspective in the world? Uh, I always chuckle. Uh, I travel a lot for my job and uh, I get to go some beautiful places. And uh, there was one spot that I went to and uh, there were all of these cottages. And I mean, I, I love a lake cottage. <laughs> but I wonder if the people who live in that large cottage community ask themselves, why are there no African-American people, families? Because those cottages have been owned for generations. And is it that uh, African-Americans don't like going to cottages to relax and hang out with their family? <laughs> Do we have something against that? But uh, why, why is that? Why is it that when we look at the upper, at the upper echelons of companies, that there seems to be one specific look to all of the higher executives? Why is it that when we move into certain neighborhoods, that everybody looks the same? Those are uncomfortable questions, but they lend to the blind spot. They go, we can't be blind if we start looking around. I like that phrase uncomfortable questions because it feeds into what you just challenged us and that is to be curious to yes. maintain a curious posture but curiosity oftentimes leads us to uncomfortable questions even beyond so again our three words everyone is equal i'm guessing we're seeing some disparities not just among the topic in, in the category of race but gender yes we could have that conversation. We yeah. could. There's a woman and a man sitting here and having this conversation <laughs> and how you maybe my experience has been different. Sexual orientation, yeah. religion, yeah. spirituality, or lack thereof of yeah. a secular belief, how we yeah. socioeconomic status. All of that. All of that kind of goes into this idea. Because I think all of us, regardless of our position in life, would say, I believe <laughs> that everyone is equal. I, I, I'm presuming, though, that there's some who are going to be listening today saying, yeah, I believe that theoretically, but does that mean that everyone should have equal opportunity? I mean, because that's a bigger, I, I'm seeing that come yep. into the conversation. So we're talking yes. about equality in terms of value. Yes. In terms of, but how do we create, because obviously equal opportunity as well. I, that was, I was wrestling with that question as I was thinking through mm. our theme of everyone is equal. And that's where I ended up backing up a little bit to go that everyone is equal. It has to be a value statement for us and it has to be uh, a commitment when it comes to what opportunities look like. Um, that is, that's the question that's layered upon it. And I think mm -hmm. that and this is me just kind of as one human, one opinion going, if we can get to the place where we truly believe and live out that everyone is equal, some of the natural tension that we have around what opportunities will naturally take care of itself. I 100% agree. So I, I, I was, I, I didn't know where we go with that conversation because obviously we're not scripted as we talk about this, but I believe that to be true. And I want yeah. to actually create and facilitate more equal opportunities for those who feel like I'm not 
equal. I haven't been treated equal. But yet there's a lot of pushback on that. Obviously, culturally, people, that becomes the conversation. If I say that everyone's equal, then what's going to happen is, is that we're going to start trying to level the playing ground in ways that we shouldn't. I'm saying, why, why, if I really believe, and this is where it goes right back to what you said at the beginning, Barb, if I really believe yeah. in the deepest part of my heart, not just a belief, but a conviction, Yes. That I'm convinced that every human being I interact with is equal. Why would I not want them to have equal opportunity? Can I propose that possibly it's because if I believe also that there's only so much to go around. So if mm-hmm. I begin to open myself up to that yes. conversation, yes. does that mean I'm going to get less? The scarcity mindset is mm. real. Uh, in what I do, I travel and speak at events and there are very few women who look like me who travel in the circles that I travel. Uh, I, in the six years that I have been a Christian speaker and author, I'm trying to think on one hand, I think maybe on one hand, how many times there's been another keynote speaker who has looked like me. So I've had a lot of conversations with my Caucasian sisters, many of whom have had careers who have spanned decades. And I do fear that there's a scarcity mindset because it is so competitive getting booked. However, what our human experience has always proven is that when we have a heart of generosity, the pie always expands to our generosity. And and that generosity continues to build upon itself and build upon itself. And so the scarcity mindset is a fear-based mindset. Abundance is when we recognize that I can share what I have And that means that there will be more for all of us. Because when I share what I have with the next person, they're going to create and they're going to share. And that just means that there's going to be an exponential expansion so that we don't have to fear not having enough. I'm speechless. That was so beautifully stated. I'm just captivated by this notion of generosity. It's something I care about deeply, but you were able to put such practical terms around that because I believe that. And, and again, I'm inspired and, and I really want to sit in this for a moment, this idea that as the pie grows, as my generosity grows, that there's going to be more opportunities, not only for me, but for everyone. Practically speaking, uh, the, as you were, as you were reflecting, I thought about, um, think about tennis shoes. This came to mind. Okay. Um, Nike. Nike, when Nike came out, like that was kind of the thing when I was growing up. And then there was Adidas and there was Puma. Now, what could have happened is people would have said, well, there's Nike tennis shoes. If they get a competitor, then, oh my gosh, what's Nike? Nike could have been like, what do we do? We're, we're in trouble. What has happened over the years? There's 50 million kinds of tennis shoes. (laughs) And Nike, they're still able to charge thousands for their top-end tennis shoes, and people are buying them. So that is a tangible example of when 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 other opportunities are created. Now, they may not have been generous per se, but when there were more people who were involved, the opportunities expanded. So for everyone who is afraid of recommending their friend who looks different from everyone at the office, and you're afraid that they may take your promotion down the road, what could end up happening if you do this in a heart of generosity is it actually may create a unique and different opportunity for you instead of having a fear that if you let go of what you have, you're going to be left with nothing. If you let go of what you have, you actually have the chance of being left with more. I want our listeners and our viewers to consider this thought, even as you talk about 
the scarcity mindset and fear, it is my sense that even through these past several years, much of our worldview and our perspective on these issues, and even on our three words today, that everyone is equal, if we're honest with ourselves, even as a culture, anger and fear actually have shaped the story more than anything else. Because you say that again. You really- <laughs> anger and fear have shaped our story because we tend to act, be more proactive based upon what I'm angry about and what I'm afraid of. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, fear sells. And anger sells. So, and even within our political realm and even within communities and in business, if I can make you afraid or if I can make you angry, you're going to respond in a, in a way that's probably not the very best version of yourself, but it's going to be active. So that was, as you talk about fear, I say, I, I feel that. I feel at times this idea that I'm making decisions out of fear, but also fear out of making a lot of my decisions out of frustration or anger or unrest within my own self, that sense of being un settled. You know, there's so many things we've talked about today, and it's all just around this theme of everyone is equal. Barb, I want to give you the final word. I want to give you the final word to our viewers, to our listeners, because there's those who are going to listen to this and view this on our YouTube channel who are going to think to themselves, okay, theoretically, as we talked about, I agree. What would be some of the next steps? What would you encourage for our listeners and viewers to say, if you believe that theoretically and you want to be part of the change, what do I do now? All right. Well, let me try to capture it in threes because I love doing things in threes. Okay. So the first is, is to first uh, just take a deep breath. If you're listening or watching, you were a part of this conversation and you, you engaged in the whole thing. And so just take a deep breath because it is, it is big. The second would be uh, to humbly admit that there's some blind spots, have some humility around it. It's okay. Blind spots don't make someone a bad person. They're just blind spots. As you said, we're human. And then the third is, is to begin seeing by asking questions. And there's lots of ways to ask questions. You can ask questions about who you surrounded yourself with. You can ask questions of people who look different than you. Simple, something simple as tell me your life story. You can ask questions around what am I afraid of? What's keeping me from getting engaged? And so the first is breathe. You did this. You hung in there. Second, acknowledge blind spots. And third, go ahead and see, start seeing. By asking questions, by really listening and learning from others. What a great template for change. What a great template for embracing and embodying um, this notion that everyone is equal. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.